I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, third hour of the program. Encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast as millions of you have been downloading this every single month. We appreciate all of you. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. Boom. You'll also get podcast unique interviews that we believe you will all love. We're joined now. There's a battle of brouhaha going on right now out in the state of Oklahoma over trans uh, treatments for young children. The governor of Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt, joins us now. Governor, appreciate the time. I know you're in the middle of a uh, a battle out there. What is so controversial? You walk me through this. You can't get a tattoo most places till you're 18. You can't drink a beer till you're 21. You can't rent a car till you're 25. Why is it controversial to say, especially for minor kids, that they can't have gender reassignment surgery? What's this battleground like, and why is it even a battleground at all? Well, First off, pretty common sense to us. We, we don't think it should be controversial. We're really just trying to protect kids. We're not trying to go against any person. But we do not believe, like you said, that a minor that can't buy alcohol, can't buy cigarettes, can't get a tattoo, should go in and have a permanent gender-altering surgery. It just makes no sense at all. So I've called the legislature to ban that. And then you've got some, you've got some folks that are, that are, uh, uh, I don't know. You'll have to have them on there. Why they think that's a good idea to do this to minors? But uh, you have a few protesters coming out. But uh, overwhelmingly, Oklahomans support this, and, and we're going to get it across the finish line. Governor State, it's Buck. Uh, thanks for being with us. The, the it seems that there's a number of bills at Bill 129, the Millstone Act, and that would have a ban on gender reassignment for those under 26. I'm just wondering, is it already clear? Which one of these bills is is the one that will get through the legislature? Basically, which one are you going to sign? Yeah, well, first off, I, I'm going to sign whichever one goes from our desk, but I'm working with the leadership of the House, the Senate. We think the cleanest way is just, say, 18 years old. There's a, there's a thought to go to 21, but 
Um, it's very clear that anybody under the age of 18, we need to protect those young people. And, and listen, these are elective surgeries. Um, we don't want tax dollars to go to these type of surgeries. If you want to do this and it's elective surgery after you're an adult, that's one thing. Uh, but, but again, we have a responsibility to protect our young people, protect our children, and, uh, and we're going to do it. I mean, this is the only type of a surgery that you know, somebody can come into a doctor, self-diagnose themselves, and also prescribe the surgery that they want. And, uh, and we just think that type of surgery should be left to an adult after your brain is fully developed. And there's all kinds of studies that, uh, that, that, that kind of back that up, that, that kids, you're not, you're not able to make that decision at that point. So let's just wait till you're sure. home. Governor, in, in your state, in Oklahoma, what is the current procedure? Is there one for uh, you know, because this law obviously would would address this, but pre uh, prior to this law or or previous to this law's um, signature and and going into effect, uh, was is there some baseline number of visits? Is there some number of different professionals? Like basically, for a minor to have transgender surgery as it exists right now in Oklahoma. Is there any defined process, or is, just, is it just up to the individual medical practitioner? Well, that was that was the case. There was actually a clinic that we discovered in one of our uh, big university hospitals that was uh, that were performing these type of surgeries, and so they were, you know, basically promoting it, or, or people that were coming in and, and they could do this these permanent altering surgeries there. And so I did an executive order last year to stop that. Uh, from taxpayer dollars being used, and then I asked the legislature to codify that into law this year. Uh, but not a, not a ton had been done. Um, so again, this is a very very small uh, minority of, of 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 folks. And uh, and again, I'm, we're not against any any one person, and, and we believe in freedoms and personal responsibilities. Uh, but we have a duty to protect young people, and that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about kids that are under the age of eighteen, and uh, that's what I'm calling for in legislation this year in Oklahoma. Where has this come from, Kevin? Um, I mean, you're a governor, but let's just step it back. Like, you're also a dad. I'm a dad. We've got young kids. You're around my age. You grew up like there were people who were tomboys, right? Like seven, eight-year-old girls. You, I mean, we had. I've coached Little League Baseball. We've got girls playing on the teams. This idea that you should be treating kids who uh, who suddenly say at eight years old like i'm in the wrong body we're going to delay puberty we're going to take i mean literally take off some of their organs in an effort to make them a different gender this is all way more substantial than where the transgender universe began which as you mentioned is hey i'm an adult and i've decided as an adult to make these choices where is this drop force of child treatment coming from and are you as stunned to see it sweep the country as both Buck and I have been and many of our listeners are as well? I mean, uh, l- l- listen, I mean, uh, th- people that are, that are coming out of the woodwork, the, the left just continues to move further and further away from mainstream and what is normal and reasonable and, and righteous. And so, again, 
I, I can't tell you where it's coming from, but what I can tell you that people are starving. The most people around in America that we talk to, they're starving for people to talk about traditional family values. Where they're starving for people to talk about putting the fam- putting focus back on the family. And uh, again, this isn't against any one person, uh, but to us, it's just common sense that we're going to protect our young people in the state of Oklahoma. We don't think that should be controversial. Um, but again, you're going to have you're going to have a few people complain. You know, if your ice cream's too cold, so you've always got these fringe folks uh, that are going to come complain about something. And so we really we, we're going to move forward with this. It's the right thing to do. And uh, Oklahoma overwhelmingly support me, and I think most Americans uh, think that we need to protect minors as well. We're speaking to Governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma, Governor. Uh, there was that protest that made its way inside the Capitol. Um, were there were there any arrests? And I'm just wondering if your expectations are that these kinds of protests uh, in and around the Capitol are likely to continue. You know, there were no arrests. Uh, and for the most part, I mean, they, they screamed and hollered a little bit, but they had a permit to protest on the second floor. They moved up to the fourth floor. So when I was going out to deliver my State of the State address, you know, they were screaming some profanities at me. But um Anyway, no big deal. Uh, it, it wasn't like they tore anything up or broke into the Capitol or anything like that. Uh, but our police had it all under control. And, I mean, in Oklahoma, we're going to arrest you if you get out of control in Oklahoma. So uh, they immediately said, hey, you're going, we're, we're arresting you. They only had permission to be on the second floor if they didn't quiet down. So everybody immediately started quieting down. Uh, but we had a great show of force, and uh, uh, we had our, you know, our great highway patrol. We're, we're, we're all over that situation, and uh, n- nothing. D- there was never any danger for the citizens of the state of Oklahoma or the Capitol. We're talking to Governor of Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt. Um, Kevin, uh, shifting gears off of the transgender issue, we just had a Chinese spy balloon float all over the entirety of the United States. Now, I don't believe it came through Oklahoma airspace, but one of the it things Buck and I talked it was in Oklahoma. So I mean, so that's that's my that's my <laughs> que- honestly that's my question for you. I said if I had been the governor of Tennessee, and I think it kind of skirted Tennessee, and you know it went out South Carolina, North Carolina, whatever. Okay, let's say that you are the governor of Oklahoma, and let's say that another Chinese spy balloon comes into the United States again. Which, given what happened once, I mean, why would we not think they might do it again? Can you, as the governor of Oklahoma, shoot this thing down? I mean, I, I, did you ask your your team? Like, we haven't ever really, to my knowledge, had a situation like this. It's without precedent. But the argument that I made on the radio show is, if it's in a state airspace, and if the governor wants to call out the state guard or someone that he's in charge of, could you shoot down that spy plane, uh, that spy balloon? Would you have done it? I mean, what, what should happen there? What should I a mean, governor do? Well, first, first off, uh, you know, I, I say that tongue in cheek a little bit, uh, but but absolutely, this was so frustrating for I know my Republican governor colleagues around the country. When we first saw that coming, we got on the phone, we got briefed by the DOD and the White House on this issue, and why it wasn't ever shot down before it made into U.S. airspace uh, is a head scratcher. And I did call my National Guard, I called my commander. I'm the commander in chief of the Oklahoma National Guard, and so um, I was talking to him. If it did make it down here, what we've got uh, we've got an F-15, F-16s in our in our uh, um, at our uh, Tulsa National Guard. And so we had those conversations. Obviously, that's a bigger conversation that we would need to have with the Department of Defense. But like every American, uh, I, 
you know, and my job is to protect uh, the citizens of Oklahoma with our National Guard. So, but that's a huge, huge issue that we obviously would be in consultation with the uh, with the big army. Uh, but I guess the real question we need to ask ourselves is, how do we let it let it get into the airspace of Amen. the United States? And that's the, really the question that needs to be answered. And and if the if the Pentagon did not brief the president, which I'm heard they didn't, um, I think heads need to roll there as well. Pentagon didn't brief Trump or didn't brief Biden on this. Didn't brief Biden. Uh, if they oh, didn't wow. brief Biden until it was in, until uh, uh, it was already inside the U.S. airspace, and that's a big problem. Uh, but yes, the president needed to make decisions before that thing came all across our continental United States. And Governor Stitt, what do you make of the reports that oh, there were a bunch of balloons under Trump too, but no one told Trump something like that? <laughs> I, I I don't believe that at all. I mean. I know President Trump, and there's no possible way he would have let that happen. And so we, we do not believe that there were spy balloons here in the continental U.S. Uh, under, under Trump. All right, much less serious, but I saw that Americans are going to wager. I don't know if you've seen this uh, story. Americans are going to wager more money on the Super Bowl than Iran spends every year on its entire defense department. So we got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. I know you're a big sports fan. Who's going to win? Why? Man, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes. Uh, yeah. I, I really like Mahomes. Now, now Hertz has a little connection to Oklahoma. He quarterbacked yep. at the University of Oklahoma. So, a little but bit you're an Oklahoma there. State Cowboy. So I don't know if you want to back an OU guy. <laughs> I am an Oklahoma State Cowboy, but you know when when a, when a, when a local boy does well, you want to you want to root for him too. But uh, Mahomes, I watched him play when he was at Texas Tech, and and as a Big Twelve guy, uh, he's just been amazing. Good stuff, Governor. Well, we appreciate your what you're the fight you're fighting out there over this uh, what seems like quite simple uh, child abuse bill to try to protect kids out there, and uh, hopefully, if the Chinese spy uh, balloon comes through the state of Oklahoma, you can take it out and come on and talk about it with us. Oh, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Well, listen, keep talking truth out there. Uh, Americans love you guys, so keep it going. Thank, thank you, you so much, Governor. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. He's great. Um, and uh, the fact, Buck, like we said, that this could ever have been controversial, hey, you can't have surgery on minors to change their gender. I mean, I, I just I wonder how we ever got here, right? H- how about you and me on Friday and all of our listeners when the balloons flying over our airspace were like, Shoot it down? Yeah. I mean, I mean is, immediately. And, and there were, all oh, the libs were, oh, it would cause an international conflagration. And then a couple of days later, Biden shoots it down. Okay. Yes, of Good course. talk. Except he shoots it down over water, and they're having difficulty salvaging all the pieces because it's over water and it's there. Uh, look, everybody's got great family memories. A lot of them, though, maybe captured on an 8mm. Maybe they're on VHS. Maybe they are out there on old slides, old pictures would you like to prepare your family to be able to experience those memories for as long as you can possibly imagine by ensuring that all of your family's memories are preserved on digital files? Probably in the back of your mind, you're thinking, yeah, I should do that. Coming up on Valentine's Day, maybe you want to give a gift to your family, something really cool. How about checking out LegacyBox.com slash Clay to get started preserving your family's memories forever. Company headquarters, guess where? Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's where my mom grew up. It's where I spent a lot of time growing up, where much of my family is from. They are really right here in the United States. We've met the founders, two awesome guys, super passionate about what they do. 
And they've got so many heartwarming stories about the reaction that saving these memories has and creates for everybody out there. So why don't you become your family's hero by safeguarding their priceless memories today? Visit LegacyBox.com slash Clay. That's my name, C-L-A-Y. LegacyBox.com slash Clay to shop a great offer. One more time, LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Do it today. The Truth Compass, pointing due right every day. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. It would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What are the facts? What is the State of the Union right now? Because we're going to hear it's great tonight. It's not great. I mean, people are worried. Every breakfast, people used to have eggs and think it was no big deal, just some protein. Now now it's almost a specialty because the price is so high. I mean, they're worried about the fuel. They're worried about their jobs as they go. They see inflation time after again. And then when you look at the latest polling, they're worried about their government. So this is the moment, and this is the discussion I had with the president. It shouldn't be that they're worried about the government, their number one issue. So that's Kevin McCarthy talking about the State of the Union, there was that poll that said that people are very concerned about government. Also really stunning, Clay, is 64% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. 82% of middle-income households um, 
uh, say that they are um, now cutting into savings dramatically. I think household savings for middle-income earners, and I, I should check this, but I'm pretty sure uh, in the last year have have dropped dramatically across the board. I mean, I want to say it's gone from like two trillion to a trillion or something. I mean, there's some there's been an enormous amount of expenditure of savings that has gone on um, for middle income households of the last year. I'll, I'll check the numbers on that. Please don't quote me on that. Um, but but it's uh, it's apparent that the state of the union is, is not strong, but it is also apparent that the Biden administration plan and their the speech is it out already? People are saying the speech yeah, has it, leaked it, in advance. Yeah, the speech has evidently leaked. So uh, <laughs> we know many of the things that Biden is going to talk about tonight at nine Eastern. And one of the things that that I think is going to be so dishonest, you know, there's going to be a lot of massaging of numbers. And Buck, I'll mention one: the the amount of credit card debt has skyrocketed that Americans are holding now. That is a sign, obviously, as credit card balance debt increases, that many people are doing what you just referenced. That is, living paycheck to paycheck, sometimes just paying the interest on those credit card uh, debts. But when you look at what Biden is arguing, and Kamala Kamala Harris has been saying it, KJP, who we just played on The View a little bit earlier in the show, is saying it. They are saying that wages are up. And this is important because it is true that wages are up. But wages are up while the overall cost of living due to inflation has gone up more than wages. So you can't argue wages are up, and I'll just give you a simple one here. If wages are up, for instance, 4%, a lot of you out there might be saying, well, 4% raise, not really going to change your life one way or the other. Okay, but if your wages are up 4% and inflation is 2%, the overall quality of your living would have increased because you would have exceeded the rate of inflation. When wages are up 4%, which is what the White House is bragging about, And simultaneously, Buck, we are living in, inflation got all the way up to 9%. Right now it's at 6.5%, I believe. Your overall family's quality of living has declined because your wages have not kept pace with inflation. So if you're out there saying, boy, eggs are expensive, and they are, one big reason why is because they're not only more expensive in real dollars, they're more expensive in inflation dollars. And all of these things add up in a big way, which is why we started off the show saying, Buck, and I think it's worth hammering home again and again, the numbers are really bad when it comes to overall inflation and people's quality of living. But your numbers can be really good the next time you get out to the range, how many times you get on target, how many times you get a bullseye, because gun owners, you know this, Ammo is super expensive, but there's a great way to train and make your skills sharp. So when you are out there on the range, you're going to have a great day and see how fine and refined, rather, your skills are. Mantis X. It attaches to your firearm like a weapon light. It connects to your smartphone with an app and Bluetooth, giving you real-time data and real-time feedback on how your skills are improving and what more you can do. All the best shooters now do the majority of their training with dry fire practice at home. And that's what the Mantis X system is, a dry fire training system. It is no ammo and all electronic. 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes of using Mantis X. Get yours today at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. Welcome back in. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Tuesday, wherever you may be. We are bringing in now our friend Gordon G. Chang, who does an incredible job analyzing the situation. 
of geopolitical struggle between the United States and China. His latest book is The Coming Collapse of China. Sorry, his latest book is The Great U.S. Tech, China Tech War at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. So, Gordon, when you saw this story about the Chinese spy balloon, your thoughts in terms of analyzing why it happened, that is, the motive on China's side, was what, and where do we go from here? Yeah, there were two things which I thought were possible explanations. One of them was that Xi Jinping was so bold, so aggressive, that he was going to try to humiliate the United States, tell the world that the U.S. was done as a power, and that therefore they should ditch us and obey China. The second thing is that the Chinese military, which we know is politically powerful, um, basically decided it was going to do whatever it wanted to do, and they were then going to fly this right across uh, our um, Air Force bases, which had uh, bombers, which had ICBMs, and the rest of it. Um, I don't know which of those two is correct, um, but neither of them is a good story, because they say that China is preparing to go to war. And unless something changes, that's probably where we're going to end up. I mean, we can deter China, but we're not deterring China now. Gordon, do you see parallels between what China is doing here and the Cold War with the U.S. and the Soviets, U-2 flights and and other uh, spying and surveillance missions? Yeah, we had the U-2 incident in, what, 1960, uh, where Francis Gary Powers, the U-2 pilot, was shot down. Um, this is a little bit different um, because it could very well mean that in China this is a regime in turmoil. Um, right now, I think Xi Jinping sees a closing window of opportunity to achieve what he considers to be historic goals. So he's going to roll the dice and do it while he can. And if the second explanation is right about uh, the military freelancing, then we've got a different set of problems, but one which are equally difficult for us to deal with. So um, in that sense, the Cold War had a stability to it. Right now, I don't think we have that stability. Do you think the timing with Secretary Blinken, um, I'm, I'm really intrigued by your, your analysis here, because if you are correct, and this was potentially a Chinese-driven military move without necessarily Xi Jinping being involved in ordering this, then it could have been timed to try to embarrass him associated with the Anthony Blinken visit coming, right? In other words, they don't want there to be sort of a lessening of tensions potentially in China. Do you think, how would you analyze the timing of the Blinken meeting given your potential scenarios there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Some people have thought that uh, the balloon incident was timed to actually derail uh, Secretary Blinken's anticipated trip of February 5 and 6. Other people said, no, uh, they wanted Blinken to come, but they wanted to give Blinken a bargaining chip in a sense, um, basically saying, we'll stop the balloon flights if you stop the uh, reconnaissance along our coast, um, which is an even more arrogant way of of looking at the Chinese. Um, Right now... um, I don't know what the uh, correct uh, uh, intentions were and the motivating reasons, um, but we do know that uh, there is trouble inside the regime and that uh, it portends, um, I think, increasing tension, especially because we have President Biden yesterday saying that this balloon incident is not going to weaken U.S.-China relations. 
And really what Biden is saying is that the Chinese can do anything they want, and we're still not going to impose costs. So that is extremely troubling when you think about the psychology of this. And that attitude that uh, the Chinese can do whatever they want, that goes back to uh, President George uh, W. Bush, who imposed no costs on China for the EP3 incident. So this is a clear pattern. You've got Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives. They have all had attitudes which have emboldened the worst elements in the Chinese political system by not imposing costs for bad behavior. Gordon, so do you think this is the big question, right? Buck and I were debating it earlier. Do you think we had the military general come out and say 2025 is when he thinks this is going to happen in terms of China invading Taiwan? Do you think this just continues to portend China invading Taiwan? And if so, what is the Joe Biden, what is the United States response going to be? Yeah, you're referring to General Mike uh, Minahan, who is yes. the chief of commander of the Air Mobility Command of the Air Force. And that leaked memo um, said that his gut, as he put it, meant, said that uh, we'd be fighting, quote, in 2025. After this, you know, and everyone said, oh, that's really close. Well, after this balloon incident, I think 2025 is a long way off. It could very well be before that. And it could be Taiwan, could be India, could be Japan or the Philippines. Remember, in December, when China was going through those protests, uh, China was very provocative with the large incursion into India's Arunachal Pradesh in uh, the Himalayas. We had stepped up uh, provocations in the South China Sea against Philippines, in the East China Sea against Japan, and, and of course, the continuing air incursions against Taiwan, especially the one on Christmas Day. So as China gets weaker, it gets more belligerent. And um, as, as I think Xi Jinping sees, Biden is not going to stop him. So this is, I think, the most dangerous moment in history. Gordon, uh, well, we're speaking to Gordon Chang. Follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. And also uh, get a copy of the uh, great U.S.-China Tech War, which is his latest book. Um, what would be, you brought up no cost in response to this. And and clearly flying a, a big balloon in U.S. airspace for days on end, everybody knows that it's a surveillance or spying, uh, spying balloon. So they're trying to get information about U.S. defense and military capabilities that we don't want them to have. What would be appropriate costs to uh, make the Chinese incur in response to this? What What is the uh, the path you think that would actually show the Chinese you can't get away with this kind of stuff anymore? Yeah, I think that, first of all, the costs have to be disproportionate. Um, in other words, so much greater than what the Chinese did. And so what I would do is I'd break off all communication with China. I would close their four consulates in the U.S., strip their embassy staff just down to the ambassador. I'd start closing the Chinese banks, which are laundering fentanyl profits for those gangs. That fentanyl is killing Americans. Um, this is a menu of things that we can do, but essentially we have to show China that the costs are severe and that those are, would be severe costs for a balloon incident. Just imagine what it would be for something else. Um, there's a lot of things that China needs the U.S. for. I don't think we should be providing them to the Chinese, so I'd like to see them all cut off. Um, I know that sounds drastic, but I think it is strategically wrong, but even more important, it's morally wrong to build up the uh, armed forces of an adversary that is planning to kill Americans. And that's exactly what's happening right now. And Gordon, I have to ask, I mean, they've said that there were a number, and it's tough to see 
what's true and what maybe the exaggeration is here from our own government. They said that there were balloons during the Trump administration, but maybe they didn't tell Trump about them. We had Trump's acting secretary of defense on. He said he had never heard anything about this. And the guy's secretary of defense, I feel like he could probably get a good read on what the military knows. Um, but is it is it your belief then that if we don't have any kind of costs associated with this, is China just going to keep flying these balloons? I mean, it doesn't feel like why wouldn't they? Yeah, why wouldn't they? And, and you know, you go back to George W. Bush not imposing any costs for um, stripping our EP3. First of all, clipping the wing, forcing it down, imprisoning the crew, trying to hold it for ransom, stripping the plane of its electronic gear. No costs on China. So really what happened is George W. Bush told the worst elements in the Chinese political system, go right ahead and do this. And what it did was it said to the other elements of the Chinese political system, those that would want a cooperative relationship with us, we told the cooperative people you're wrong because we don't impose costs on being belligerent. So um, this has opened the door. And if we don't change our attitudes towards this and our policies, this is only going to get worse. Now, people, they say you start cutting ties, it's going to be worse. Um, But the point is, Our policies, which sound good to the ear, have created a disastrous situation. Every option now going forward carries great risk. And that's the result of misguided uh, policies over the course of especially the last three decades. So what choice do we have? We've got to try something new, because if we don't try something new, we probably are going to end up in the worst moment in history. Who do you think, Gordon, in this administration has China policy the most in in their hands or is their responsibility uh, is it really because it feels like biden these days they all know you know they're just trying to push him along is it blinken is it is it somebody on the dod side uh, who is who is biden's top china person right now well on the national security council it is kurt campbell um but you know you have blinken you have jake sullivan the national security advisor I'm sure there's some people in the basement that we never hear about, um, you know, the proverbial Obama people. And, and, of course, it's Biden himself. I mean, he forget about Hunter Biden, forget about the money issues. Even if those aren't true, Biden has views about China that are seriously out of date. And his views are those that have created this situation in the first place. Add in Hunter, add in the money, it just gets even worse. So, you know, I don't know who is making um, policy, but I can tell you it's a disaster. Gordon Chang, everybody, follow him on Twitter at Gordon Chi Chang and pick up a copy of the great U.S.-China tech war. Gordon, thanks for being with us. Oh, well, thank you so much. And guys, stay safe. Moment of thanks to all of you out there, if we can, to each and every one of you that has made a donation to the preborn pregnancy clinics nationwide. What they're accomplishing every day is life-changing, and it's an ambitious program that they're expanding on. Preborn saves the lives of unborn children by providing pregnant mothers with the support and supplies they need after childbirth, and most importantly, a connection with the unborn child they're carrying. They do that by providing an ultrasound experience which allows moms to meet their unborn son or daughter. Once a mom sees that precious life, hears that heartbeat, she is twice as likely to choose life. Donations like your own have allowed Preborn to rescue over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day their clinics save about 150 babies' lives. Using your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, say baby. Or you can go to their website, preborn.com slash buck, 
preborn.com slash B-U-C-K, sponsored by Preborn. Download and use the new Clay and Buck app. Listen to the program live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Find every podcast as they're released and listen. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media and we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on but we do it without the left-wing media spin listen to armstrong and getty on demand on america's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the armstrong and getty show to start listening hi i'm michael rapaport and i'm kibi rapaport and together we're hosting rapaport's Rappaport's reality Reality Podcast. podcast We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This New York Times article, listen, when Democrats want to kill each other, they have the New York Times on speed dial number one. And what this article is, is every ambitious Democrat, they're looking at Joe Biden. I'm here to tell you, Joe Biden's not going to run in 24. I do not believe he will be the Democrat nominee in 24. And I think all the ambitious Democrats are measuring the drapes. And I think you're looking at people like Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren and Gavin Newsom, who all see Kamala Harris in in their way. And you're right. Hillary is seething with jealousy. And so these knives are coming from every direction. And she's certainly given them a lot to work with. Paging our friend Senator Ted Cruz here. He coming out strongly there on the side of Biden is not going to be the 2024 nominee i I don't see it so i don't know if senator cruz wants to put a stake bet on this one uh or maybe a maybe a game of uh 1v1 on the basketball court although i guess that wouldn't really be a bet um but uh yeah i i don't see it 
and and Clay has has come around to my thinking. I feel like if they were to have anybody other than Biden step in at this stage, uh, it would be giving up the power of the incumbency, uh, which is substantial. And they perhaps even more importantly, it doesn't seem that they have a good second option to run because that's the same people that are writing the New York Times that Joe Biden is not, uh, you know, not not doing well, think that Kamala is a total disaster. So I think that's important uh, for people to understand here that Kamala is not the pick of the elites in the media and the establishment anymore. So I don't know. Senator Cruz, we, we heard you on that one. You think that it won't be Biden. I think it still will be Biden. Uh, I might have to end up eating some humble pie on this one, but I just don't see it. You know what? I'm, I'm going to put up a Twitter poll, too, on this one just to see where a lot of my followers are. I'm always curious about that one. I, I, I can't imagine um, that it would be anybody other than Joe Biden at this point, given the realities of who else could possibly be involved. Uh, you know, if he had a really strong VP, absolutely. A really strong VP that was polling well, that would be the obvious choice. But Kamala Harris, I, I think it is clear to Democrats, Kamala Harris would lose to Trump, to DeSantis. I think Kamala Harris would lose to Yunkin or Nikki Haley. I just don't think she can win. And I think they know that. And uh, that that to me means that it's just going to be Biden He's got the name recognition. He's got the power of being in office right now. And a lot of Democrats, I think, unfortunately, have become uh, very comfortable with having a figurehead presidency, which is Joe Biden, just kind of doddering around and no real vision, no nothing. But there are so many people involved that the Democrat machinery is so dense with uh, different leftist activists and and policy uh, manipulators of different kinds that they think doesn't matter whether the president can even tie his own shoes. It doesn't matter if the president has any real ability. All that matters is, can you have a Democrat in office? Can you get a Democrat elected and then have the machinery do the rest? So it's just about finding some way for whomever the occupant of the Oval Office in 2024 will be, finding some way that that person is a Democrat. And then beyond that, it doesn't really matter. So to them, electability as a means to power is the entire game. The skills of the individual, the leadership qualities, that's all irrelevant. Uh, And that's why tonight, going into this State of the Union address, you're going to see that Joe Biden will be rewriting history in real time. He'll be saying things that you know to be untrue. And at some level, I think Democrats like Biden take glee in lying to your face uh, because it's a means of demeaning your sense of what's really going on it's meant to disorient you it's meant to make you feel like wait a second that's crazy did he really just say that and you know that the democrat media is going to go along with all of it they're going to support him they're going to prop him up they're going to tell you that he's done a great job and that he's exceeded i can assure you of this there'll be a lot of biden has exceeded expectations exceeded them when for all the rest of us, it's, wait, isn't this the guy who talked about the winter of death and forced people to get shots by the millions that they didn't want, that didn't work anyway, and that subjected them to risks that they weren't even allowed to talk about? Isn't that the, the great uniter, Joe Biden? Some of us remember what the promises were and also what the reality was for the last two years. 
But uh, it's going to be funhouse mirror time. It's going to be distortions and lies and nonsense tonight at the State of the Union. I will watch it, though. I will live tweet it. I will bring you all of it tomorrow. Uh, Clay and I will. So looking forward to talking to you all then. Make sure you go and subscribe to the Clay and Buck podcast channel, by the way, which you can do on the iHeart app or in the Apple podcast store. We're putting in specials there, long-form interviews, stuff you won't see anywhere else. So go subscribe to the podcast, radio listeners. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 